All right. So, what is the fuzzy squirrel? That is that is the question, isn't it? Um, I suppose there is the chance that you already know this, that you're listening to this podcast because you've read the fuzzy squirrel and you're a fan. Um, but maybe you're not. So. I had this thing that I did for a while, um, and I still hope to do it now, called The Fuzzy Squirrel. It's a pamphlet, a collection of different ideas and concepts, stories, poems, just expressions of humanity. Um, I always put it out kind of anonymously. Everybody who knew me knew that I did the majority of it, but I didn't do all of it. Um, There were other artists who would come in and contribute at times because the idea was not about who was doing it, but the fact that humans were doing it. And so if you were to ask me what the Fuzzy Squirrel really is, it's just a collection of humanity. And so as you listen, these are a series of, of writings that have been done over the decades. Some of them new, some of them old. Maybe you experienced some of them before. Maybe this is your first time experiencing them. But either way, just know that this is an invitation for you to have a glimpse into my view of humanity. Not my idea of humanity, but my view of humanity. This episode is different. Um, I actually have a number of poems in this one, and each of these poems are actually, the title is simply the, the day I wrote them. So you have 7, 12, 18, 11, 19, 19, 3, 31, 20. All of these are just, that I, I named them just the day that I wrote them. So you can see some poems, some expressions, some ideas, some emotions, feelings from different days in my life. Um, then there's also this next one, uh, They're Only Human Respite. Uh, that's another installment in this new series I'm writing. And in this one, we're going to explore just the ideas of, of rest and, and relaxation and, and refreshing and what it's all about. Um, then I have a wonderful one, a great title, really, when you think about it. Um, or at least I think it's a great title. It's called Sometimes I Actually Wish I Wasn't Black So That Then I Too Could Live in a Post-Racial Fantasy World. Yeah, I wrote that one back in 2014. Um, and in this one, I just talk about my experiences in my color of skin that I have and, and how that feels for me interacting in the world and then also have generation gaps generation gaps is is another one of those big ones that i wrote back in 2014 where i just i try to explore and and talk about the differences the disconnects we see between different generations and how that plays out in society um so yeah this 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 episode gets a little bit more deep i mean that's why i call it emotions um so hopefully prayerfully um it is my desire that you enjoy this journey of emotions with me Get comfortable, sit back, maybe get a nice cup of tea, whatever you like to do, and let's explore these emotions together. Seven, twelve, eighteen. There are times, moments, the occasional glimpse, retraction, if you will, of reality, where a, a screen appears in my mind, the field of vision, the series of scenes. Reality is what it purports to be, singular in person, be it invariably, predictably. There is you being 
who you are, a, a tableau intermingling Rockwell and Da Vinci. Tedious, true, but so much more. Your life is a work of art, a beautiful expression of love to our children, to me. Thank you for being mother to our children. They're only human. Respite. That is why I can say that no, it doesn't really matter, Squirrel. In fact, if I really had to say, there is maybe only one thing that matters, and location is most certainly not it. Then what, Mouse? We are on vacation, attempting to have a good time. Well, I am attempting to anyways, and here you are swearing that none of this matters, that we might as well be at home because where we are has no bearing on a person's emotional state of being. So what matters then, Mouse? What? Oh, you're back? I mean, I didn't exactly invite you, but that's okay, I suppose. If you couldn't tell, Mouse is supposedly on vacation with Squirrel right now. Mouse had been saving all year for this trip, actually. He had always wanted to visit the ruins of ancient civilizations to compare them with how he imagines the future will see his current world. After he had enough saved, he went to his local travel agent and explained what he was looking for, gave them the money, and asked them to have the tickets ready for him and his friend Squirrel. I would not look down on you if at this point you were confused as to the reason behind the current conflagration. Well, they are not at the ruins of an ancient civilization. They're not even at the ruins of a modern civilization. They're not even in a modern civilization. Confused by the request, the travel agent booked Mouse and Squirrel a week vacation at a resort spa in the middle of a desert named Ruins of an Ancient Civilization. Yes, yes, that happened. Squirrel is upset, though, not because she's enjoying a week-long relaxing trip to the spa, but because Mouse is not upset that he is not where he wished to be. Squirrel thinks Mouse should be mad, furious even, but he refuses. Now, in Squirrel's defense, this is a frequent foible of Mouse. It's not that he doesn't get disappointed, he just doesn't get mad when disappointed. Squirrel, in turn, not only gets mad when disappointed, but also when Mouse does not get mad at being disappointed. I know, so fun to watch. To what end, Squirrel? What is the benefit of getting angry? I'm still here, aren't I? The misconception lies in thinking a vacation is about going somewhere. It isn't. It isn't, Squirrel. Vacation is about going some what. By that I mean it is about a feeling, an emotion, an inner category of consciousness that may be influenced by locale, but is simultaneously independent of physical space. But... If that's the case, then why bother saving all that money to go somewhere? Because I really, really want to go there. And you're not disappointed that you aren't there now. Oh, oh I am. I'm bordering on devastated, actually. So let me get this straight. You saved for a year to go somewhere you really want to go. You spent the money to go there. You arrive and are not there. As a result, you are very disappointed, devastated even, according to your own account. And yet you insist that none of that matters, and this is a good vacation for you. Yes, Squirrel, I, I think you've summarized my sentiment quite nicely. Well done, friend. But I... Never mind, Mouse. Never mind. I'm glad you're enjoying yourself. Me too. Let's go. It's time for our next set of massages. This hot spring is awesome, but it will be nice to just lie down and think for a bit. It's a good thing I like you, Mouse. Otherwise, I'm afraid I'd have to kill you for how much you frustrate me. 
On that, we can agree, Squirrel. I have often wondered just why you haven't killed me yet, actually. Though I admit I'm thankful you haven't. Now, as I recall, the masseuse was over this way, so let's go. Okay, go go away. I'm tired of sharing the space. I'd like to stretch out a bit and get comfortable. This is getting good. Eleven, nineteen, nineteen. Escape. Is that too much to ask for? Is it? Really? I work hard. Real hard. Harder than most anyone I know to serve you as best I can. To love my family and lead them. But wave after wave after wave after wave of bad news and worse people come into my life and disrupt everything. When, when, when will I be allowed to escape this moribund rotundum of pain and, and misery, a cycle that sickens, that crushes, depresses? Escape is all I ask, but never is granted to me. Why? Why no relief? It is when I stop making demands for answers that my ears are inclined to hear yours. Why? Because I love you. When? When you come home. I have made you for this battle, designed this pain for your perfection. Stop struggling. Embrace my process. It is, always has been, always will be, love. So I continued to pray for my escape. But I endure reassured of your grace that you not only saved me but will sustain me in the pain until I am finally called home to you. Selah. Sometimes I actually wish I wasn't black so that then I, too, could live in a post-racial fantasy world. I get the feeling sometimes that people are looking to me to affirm their racist sentiments, thereby granting them immunity to continue in their very wrong thoughts. I nod my head and grin. After all, I am one of the good ones. I have degrees in such great elocution. I have a white wife and light-skinned, beautiful children. My darkness has miraculously been pacified by my thorough gentrification. I'm the safe black guy. My skin is dark enough that I must be black, but my demeanor softened enough that they needn't pretend their views are not their own. There's the lady who inferred the other week my kids would have no problem getting scholarships because of your side. Never mind that I said I expected them to use their brains to acquire scholarships and grants like I did. Of course, in her mind, her son, who managed a bachelor's, is naturally as smart as the guy with the doctorate, nearly finished with a master's, so it can't possibly be that I was smarter than him. No, it's the skin color, right? Or how about the other colleague who insisted today that segregation was just as hard on whites as blacks? We couldn't be friends with who we wanted to marry, marry who we wanted. We, we couldn't go out for a beer with who we wanted. Really? So... Saying you can't be friends with the kid down the street 
is equivalent to being denied basic rights to an education, having people spit and throw rocks at your children, for having the gall to act like they may be human beings too, or having your wives and daughters raped while your husbands and sons are hung and run over? Oh, here's a more benign-seeming one. The student I tutor ventured to say that his friend's poster was, of course, good because he's Asian, and Asians draw better. Wow. I, I told my colleague today that I don't get the luxury of being colorblind. That sort of thing could cost me my life. Some things are always relevant to the situation you are in, and my skin color is one of those things. My kids aren't colorblind either, and that's a good thing. They too will need to be ready when the racial slurs come, and they will come. You can't really prepare yourself for a punch to the face after you've been punched. You have to go into it ready to fight. In a post-racial world, as many would like to have it, can never exist. And as long as there are different cultures, mine will be maligned and misconstrued as ignorant, backwards, whiny, worthless, dumb, lazy. That just comes with the skin color. I love being black. I actually quite often tell my wife I feel sorry for her being white. I couldn't imagine what it would feel like to be the majority, to not be the underdog, to not be allowed to take pride in my people and history, to be the bad guys in so much of history. But sometimes, sometimes I wish I could be ignorant of cultural tensions, that I could just float through life blissfully unaware of the fact that so much hinges upon hurting others, that much of what we have today is built on the backs of people of color, that even now in our enlightened era, racism runs rampant in the hearts and minds of so many. Generation Gaps. Who was it that wrote the song, Don't Fear the Reaper? Ah, uh, well, that's not important. Thus far today, I've had two conversations in my midst that tied in seamlessly with an ongoing discussion between my wife and I on the differences between our generation and our parents. Now, before I begin, when I say our parents' generation, I mean the baby boomers. Many don't realize that anyone over 48 is actually a baby boomer. Apropos given a common approach to life that my wife and I have been observing and discussing for a number of years now. I don't wish to go on and on about how they cursed we millennials with an overinflated sense of worth, or how they have failed by the very definition for failure they themselves define, or even how it was their cultural revolution which inevitably led to the mess we are in right now. No, I will save that fight for another day. Instead, my wife and I have noticed something about their generation which inevitably forms a cornerstone of how mine now behaves. They wanted nothing more than to avoid growing up to be their parents. The Cultural Revolution was the manifestation of a festering view held by baby boomers towards their parents. I don't know if they didn't feel loved enough or if racism just felt so repugnant to them or if all the rules just drove them over the edge. What I do know comes from the privileged viewpoint of sitting on the outside looking in. And from here I can see they did everything they could to not be their parents. Millennials are their parents' children. And like our parents, we too went desperately to avoid growing up to be our parents. But here's the funny thing. In the process, we have actually en masse decided that we wouldn't mind actually being like our grandparents. Funny how that works out, isn't it? We want families and careers, houses and retirement plans, we, and we want all of this before ever even reaching 35. We want families and homes. When at our age, our parents just want to have fun. 
No, you cannot in any description of a generation hope to describe every member therein. That is not the purpose of such labels. Rather, you seek to outline the overarching trends and changes in society which each generation signals. Though the definition of what a family is may have been changed, indeed, it is family we want. Though what it means to dress nice has changed, we want to dress nice, not slovenly. Though what the definition of success is has changed, we want success, not just freedom. But again, I will not belabor a point which is best left for another day. Today, I overheard two conversations, which I, of course, joined in with once they reached a certain height. The first was in response to the death of a singer sparking the staff in the office, all involved for boomers, by the way, to sing some old songs, including some about women's rights. One worker noted that she didn't really want all of that, having dreamed of having eight kids as a little girl, but instead being rushed into the workplace as a result of the movement. The other ladies in the office were aghast at this revelation. In response, I shared that my wife and I are aiming for six kids ourselves. One coworker didn't want to believe me. So I assured her we had felt this way since we first met and fell in love at the age of 18, and that this was, in fact, a part of my retirement plan. I can't get Social Security, but I can have my kids take care of me when I get old. Two chimed in that's not, that that's not right. I said, isn't it? My sister and I would take care of our parents when the time came. They know this, and we will. Here's the part where you hear a statement that only a baby boomer could or would make. It is quite possible millennials might one day, but we couldn't at the moment, and I am certain most wouldn't. Quote, that's just not fair. At this rate, I'm going to end up taking care of my mom longer than she took care of me. I was out of the house at 16. This could drag on another 10 or 15 years easily at the rate she's going. Another chimed in in agreement. It's not fair to us, they said. It's not fair to them. They need quality care, and I can't provide that and work. Curiously enough, the one who dreamed of eight kids was silent on this issue. I simply added that my sister and I will take care of our parents when the time comes, and I expect my kids to do the same for me. And I'm already teaching them as such, despite the oldest only being five. Unconvinced, they chatted about how they don't get along with their parents well enough or economic needs trumps these things, ending insisting that they would put them in a, quote, good home. The second conversation was about one of the ladies becoming a grandmother soon. You should have heard these ladies as they pondered the horror of being called, oh no, grandma, gasp. What could be worse than growing old? Our parents did that, and we don't want to be them. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, I'm exaggerating a little here, but at one point I chimed in with my two cents. Uh, I thought the grandkids got to choose the name. In reference to what term of endearment the child calls them, right? It's grand grandkids choose. Oh no, they said. The grandparents tells the kids what to call them. To which I just muttered that the grandkids choose in my family. And hence, my quote at the start. These people fear aging like the plague. Just look at all the diet and surgeries and face peels and slimming projects. Yes, every generation has them, but these boomers are at a whole new level. I know, just give us time and we millennials will be equally pathetic and sad, I'm sure. But one thing we have in spades that no other generation has had is this. Self-evaluation. Just look at all the blogs and posts we generate, and it's obvious that we are obsessed with delving into the inner workings of ourselves and then plastering these revelations in the public forum. We may be many things, but self-ignorant we are not. Thanks to the economy and a myriad of other factors, my generation is one of the first American generations to find it nearly impossible to leave home before the age of 25 and stay gone. We need help. We need money. We need clothes and groceries and toilet paper. Many boomers think of us as lazy or spoiled or many other not nice words, but in our defense, I will only offer this. Life has not turned out like you promised. 
We were raised being taught, go to school, study hard, earn an education, and life will be guaranteed. The sky's the limit. Aim for the stars and you will at least get the moon. Life has not gone as you promised us. So it might take a few years for us to come up with our own plan because yours didn't really work too well. But don't worry, we'll come up with something. Boomers, I, I know this hurts, and I'm sure most of you feel I am not talking about you. But just stop and think about it. Did your parents fear growing old? Did they really regret doing whatever it took to provide for their family? Did they really do you so wrong that you must continue to harbor such an overtly negative view of them? Family is important. Taking care of your own is important. Growing old is a blessing, not a blight. We will surely make some grand errors as we grow older, and whenever you finally step aside and allow us to take the reins, we will undoubtedly ruin all kinds of things. But like you, we don't want to be our parents either. I guess you managed to pass on at least one of your cultural revolution core beliefs. Too bad it's probably the only one you didn't want to pass on. Three, thirty-one, twenty. On COVID nineteen. Peace, peace, but there is no peace. That's today. That's yesterday, and honestly, truly, sincerely, that's tomorrow. Man heaps stone upon stone, stick upon stick, dream upon dream, yet the tower still falls short, never reaching to the heavens, never grasping what we desire. Peace, peace. How sad do you think? that thousands of years, computers and wheels, sciences and philosophies, but we've never left that place, Babel. Time, once again, to disperse. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only, and any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is done at your own risk. This podcast should not be considered professional advice. The Fuzzy Podcast is a production of Salt Light Love Ministries. All rights reserved.